0: Welcome to cleaning up the mental mess today. I am so excited. I mean, I really barely can contain myself. I'm going to be interviewing one of my heroes, one of my people that I have admired for years. And this is a tremendous honor. Dr. Elisa Eppel is one of the leading global scientists when it comes to telomere research and stress research. She inspired my research. Elisa, you inspired my research. It was your work on telomeres that I thought, hey, we need to start including telomeres in our clinical trials. And we found some such interesting interesting findings, but you are the leader in this field. And I'm just so honored to have you join me today. And before you start, I just have to let people know how amazing you are. Everyone, guys, you need to go to Dr. Apple's website. We'll be putting that in the, in the comment section. And really, there's so much more than I'm going to say now. This woman is so accomplished and such an incredible scientist and has made such a contribution to the world when it comes to stress management. So Dr. Lisa Eppel is a PhD an international expert on stress, well-being, and optimal aging, and a best-selling author. She's a professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of California, San Francisco, where she's vice chair of psychology and directs the Aging Metabolism Emotion Center. She studies the environment, psychological, behavioral, and social factors that impact cellular aging, such as telomeres, inflammation, and mitochondria, and is also focusing on climate wellness. Love this. I'm really so excited to interview you. And today we're going to talk about a lot of things and just a couple of highlights. Elisa worked with Elizabeth Blackburn, who's the, f- the first woman Australian to win a Nobel Prize. And Elisa worked 10 years ago. I think you started working with her on your research on telomeres. Eight, she 18 was, years ago. <laughs> 18 years ago. 18 years ago. She's the telomerase lady. You're going to tell her about that. It's all about that. She, we're going to talk about how stress is actually unavoidable and how much of it we can learn to handle before telomeres beget, become damaged I love this your, your most viral study that was your correlational study about sexual intimacy increasing telomere length we have to mention that okay. Elisa and married couples how their telomeres will increase in length all this is going to make sense in a moment we're going to talk about chronological versus biological age And also to get an understanding that there's actually quite an unsavory relationship between stress, immune suppression and telomeres, but it can be managed. And I have the expert about to start talking about this amazing topic. Life can be hard and it's easy to feel stressed, anxious and out of control. What if there was a way to take back control? What if there was a practical way to detox your brain? This is now possible with NeuroCycle, the first ever scientifically tested brain detox app shown to help reduce anxiety and depression by up to 81%. Users are guided through a variation of audio and video, brain exercises and mind management lessons every day. I'm excited to share some of the latest features in the app, including guides for children and parents, detailed feedback and recommendations, written guides through days 22 through 63 of the NeuroCycle and an easy way to track your progress. There are over 500,000 NeuroCycle users worldwide and the app has helped change thousands of lives, including people trying to find purpose in life, overcoming fear, better sleep, improved relationships, managing intrusive thoughts, depression and anxiety and so much more neurocycle is for everybody no matter who you are what you've been through or what you do you have an incredible mind and brain that is always on and needs to be managed so that you can live your best both mentally and physically this app is designed for individuals couples families businesses or corporations for everyone everywhere join us by committing just a few minutes a day and see how your life is transformed in just 63 days you will have begun rewiring your brain for a happier and healthier life Download the NeuroCycle app today and start changing your life one thought at a time. Just look for NeuroCycle on the iTunes App Store or Google Play or visit NeuroCycle.app. The link and more information will be in the show notes. Welcome, Elisa. Such a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Caroline. It's, it's such an honor to be on your podcast and to have you you know, share the work along with your own amazing work on plasticity and what we can do.
0: Thank you so much. Well, do you mind, Elisa, just give us a broad, I've said a little bit, but from your perspective, just give us a little bit of a background to why you do what you do and how you started and, you know, just a little sort of an overview and then we're going to dive into into the details.
1: I've always been fascinated with understanding the mind-body connection. And I think the umbrella question is always, well, how does stress get under the skin And then more importantly, how can we reverse that? What can we do to, in a sense, undo the effects of stress and even better promote enhanced health and emotional well-being? So I've been looking at relationships between stress, trauma, disease states, and aging, biological aging. And then in my more later years, over the last 10 years, have been really more focused on On what we can do, interventions, how we can change our mind, our behavior, or both to slow our biological aging, and that just keeps me very busy. There's always new things to learn and layers and layers of depth that we can try to embrace and harness to understand the mind-body connection. But in ourselves, like all of, we're universally we have similar tendencies of how we respond to stress and how our bodies age but there are different life experiences and different narratives we tell ourselves that have shaped us and it's understanding ourselves that is so powerful where we can find what's the best lever for me what are what are the ways that I become so stressed out and that's where you know it's a, just an inquiry that I find, fascinating both in myself and in guiding other people so i also sometimes lead retreats and that's always very gratifying or we spend days and days on this mind body connection <laughs>
0: i love that i love that you have been in this field we have both been in the field of mind body connection for probably close to four nearly four decades now which is quite something and it's been such a changing field and really what we bring to the table is ancient wisdom and but you have you have brought that into this uh, into the you've made something that was actually quite difficult to understand, you've made it very understandable in the work that you do. And I'm specifically referring to your work in telomeres, and then we'll talk about mitochondria and the immune system. Can we start by just giving a brief, broad understanding of what telomeres are? My audience has heard me talk about this a lot, but as I call you the queen of telomeres, I would love you to really dive in and just talk about, you know, what is a telomere? What is this relationship with our biological versus chronological age? Take it away.
1: We can look inside the cell and understand how our cells age and what speeds that up and what slows it down. There are many mechanisms in the cell that are regulating aging. And one of the fundamental ways that we age is we call it replicative senescence. And it simply means our cells can only divide so many times until they're done and they either die or they become an old old cell. And part of what determines how long our cells can go on dividing and replenishing tissue, important tissues like our brain's hippocampus and the lining of our our cardiovascular system, that is partly determined by the length of our telomeres. Our telomeres are the caps at the ends of our chromosomes. Every single cell has telomeres And we want to protect them because when they get too short or damaged, the cell can no longer go on and keep dividing and being a healthy cell. So it's, they're made of DNA. They're made of base pairs, but they're not genes. They're, they are a different type of structure. They kind of wind. You know, long strings that wind up at the end of the cell, but they're very sensitive to our cellular environment or the chemical environment. So they're looking out for stress, and they're worried if there's too much stress in the cell, in the that kind of chemical soup. They are going to basically call it quits and say there is trouble here. We don't want the cell to turn into a dangerous cell, a bad cell, a a carcinogenic cell, and so we need to. Call it quiet. So it sends out cell cycle arrest signals, which say, "Shut this, sh- shut this cell down. Either die, apoptosis, or become senescent. No long, you know, lose the ability to divide. And then, unfortunately, that senescent cell also becomes pro-inflammatory. So we really want to protect our telomeres. We want to keep them long, so that our cells can go on dividing over decades well into our 80s or even 100s. And studies of centenarians do find that they have longer telomeres.
0: And I have heard you talk about this a few times and I love how you approach a lot of people that, you know, there's such a big trend at the moment to reverse age, you know, increase longevity. And, you know, there's you and I both know and the, the audience knows as well how many philosophies there are out there and how much push there is for this. And it's understandable. But I heard you say to someone, you were on a panel, and one person was describing aging as a disease, and you described it as a not as a disease, but actually as something that we're going to get old, but you can do it differently. You can do it in a quality versus, you know, you can have a instead of having 20 years of disease, for example, you could, you can, con- you can control that. And it, and it really spoke to me because you've focused a lot on the fact that it's how you as a person are basically managing your mind. And a huge part of my work has been mind management, and we talk about that on this podcast. So I wanted to just, Get my audience situated because Elisa, Dr. Apple, may I call you Elisa? Although you're Dr. Apple, you're comfortable please, with Elisa,
1: Alyssa, yes. <laughs> Elisa
0: is really showing with her work that the way that you live your life, the way you respond to stress, and I'm going to let her take it from you know the details of that is definitely affecting your biological age. Can you explain just to start, just a quick explanation of the difference between biological and chronological age?
1: Let's start with chronological age. The clock is ticking. We all know how many years we've lived and that's very linear. Biological age is more elastic and that is the age of our body. There is no one biological age marker and that's the hard part. We we want to measure the age of our whole being and. We can't do that well, but we try. We have lots of biomarkers of age. And so in our studies, we measure several and we try to get a sense of someone's biological age. And some markers matter more than others. Telomeres have a small but important effect. We can measure telomeres early in life and we know if someone is set on a trajectory of faster aging, if they're short early in life and they can they change slowly over time. We can protect them. We can. We probably can't change them dramatically, but we can create the chemical environment so that they stay sturdy and long. And that's critically important. So it's not so important to measure them personally. In fact, there's error in the measurement, but rather to create the, the daily mindset and lifestyle that keeps us well. Not that we can avoid stress, but just that we can find balance within our stressful lives and have time for recovery and use stress positively.
0: 70 million Americans have chronic sleep issues and 50% of Americans deal with sleep deprivation. You've probably dealt with this at some point in your life and I know how difficult it can be. One of my favorite brands, Ned, is here to help with their incredible new product, Shut Eye Chai. It's inspired by 5,000 years of ancient healing tradition and is Ned's biggest product launch to date. It's a mellow super blend latte for sleep that combines adaptogens, aminos, functional mushrooms and magnesium. Seriously the best ingredients out there wrapped in a heavenly masala chai inspired spice body. Think cinnamon, clove, ginger, all that good stuff. It doesn't just set you up for amazing sleep. Ingredients like chaga, rishi, and ashwagandha are deeply nourishing to your body. So you're getting a ton of additional benefits as well. Plus, It's crafted from the highest-grade, single-origin ingredients ethically sourced from some of the world's best small-scale farms. It's all-natural, made exclusively from functional botanicals, fungi, herbs, plants, minerals, roots, and spices, and does not contain CBD, caffeine, melatonin, or dairy. I love drinking a cup of shut-eye chai just before bed with some coconut milk. It is delicious and helps me fall asleep faster and wake up less. Indeed. Since I started this nightly ritual, my mind feels sharper and I'm getting consistent quality sleep. Discover how Shut Eye Chai can revolutionize your sleep and get 15% off with the code Dr. Leaf. Go to helloned.com forward slash or enter the code Dr. Leaf at checkout. That's H E L L O N E D.com slash Dr. to get 15% off. Sweet dreams. The link and details will be in the show notes. That's a beautiful answer and, and that we're going to dive into that so the audience doesn't, we're going to, Dr. Eppel is going to tell you some really great things about how to turn stress, make stress work for you. But I quickly wanted to take you back down memory lane to when you were newly married and you were driving to SF to San Francisco with your husband to go and live there and start working and your sister gave birth to a child with him as a lot of trauma and that kind of launched you into looking at chronic Stress versus acute stress and caregivers, and could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's incredibly relatable, and it really it's a great it's a great segue into what chronic stress versus acute stress does, and what is stress really, and how we can learn to manage it.
1: Yeah, when we have stressful events, we can't avoid those; they will happen. We recover, no sweat, no damage. Really, it's the repeated. Stressful events every day, or or more like just over many years, when we're just not taking a break, and we're taking the stress with us in our mind. We're having ruminative thoughts and anticipatory worry. Those that's the form of chronic stress. It's really our thoughts, the most common form of stress, and and so that's what we want to watch for. Is those mind tendencies. And that's where the mind training is, is so invaluable is understanding the mind, understanding thoughts are just thoughts and that we can have them, but not listen to them, not let them stress us out. So the situation that you so well remember, I was driving from, you know, graduate school with my husband, uh, husband across to the country to california to start a postdoc studying stress so i'd already chosen my area of focus which was really understanding chronic stress and i became a caregiver on that ride because my my nephew was born there was a uterine rupture he was suffocated but they saved him and he lived as a for a year and a half as someone who couldn't experience life paralyzed blind couldn't move i mean it was just so tragic oh, yeah. and it was an introduction to being a family caregiver not even the primary caregiver but still just such sorrow and and so so stressful with different health events within that and so i could really see and feel what it was like to be a caregiver i ironically had come there to study caregiving with Susan Folkman and Julie Moskowitz colleagues who had already started a caregiving study of mothers of children with chronic conditions. And so there's, there's always lots of irony. And, and I ended up also later having a son with a chronic condition. So there's, there's always that, that kind of irony of, you know, being interested in something and then also living it yourself, which has mm-hmm. you know made it humbling really to understand how to have a balanced and meaningful life when you have chronic sorrow, when you have situations that you cannot change in your life and you wish so much that you could reduce someone else's suffering and you can spend a lot of time on that mentally. And yet you really have extreme little control over it. So many of you have a situation like that in your life, many, and some of you don't. But just if you think of a situation where you wish things were different, and you have very little control over changing the situation, they can still lo- loom large, you can still be taking up a lot of mental real estate with these types of situations. And that's where there's a lot of room where we can find freedom from the chronic stress of unchangeable situations and 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 live a better life. So I've been studying caregivers for several decades and the beauty of studying caregivers is that it's not the situation that is really predictive and deterministic of their health it's how they respond. It comes down to their daily levels of threat and their daily emotions. Particularly are they still able to feel positive emotions? Even at the end of a hard day, that turns out to be very important.
0: Thank you for that. And you talk about outliers in the study, and that leads you to a whole understanding of how it's not so much the stress, it's how we respond. But before we, and I really want to go into that in detail because it leads into your newest book that you just released just very recently. But I wanted to just move back a little bit in time to your work with Elizabeth Blackburn and the Nobel Prize Laureate and the work on telomeres and telomerase because it's fascinating and it really gave you a tremendous sort of overview insight into this world.
1: Yes. So in that first study, we looked at mothers of typical children and mothers of children with some type of chronic condition, medical or an autism spectrum condition. And in that study, We did find that it wasn't so much being a caregiver that mattered, but the perception of stress. So, feeling overwhelming daily stress, whether you're a caregiver or not, was associated with shorter telomeres, dampened levels of telomerase, the anti aging enzyme that protects telomeres, and higher levels of oxidative stress or free radicals in the blood. And so, that study started us off on this path of wanting to understand what predicts resilience for caregivers and as well as can we provide classes or interventions that really protect people's cellular aging, boost their mood even though they're under a lot of daily stress and have circumstances they can't control.
0: Incredible. Can you explain a little bit more about what telomerase is and how it works with telomeres?
1: The telomerase enzyme that Elizabeth Blackburn and her colleagues discovered is an It's inside the cell. It's an intracellular enzyme that is a special enzyme. It's called a reverse transcriptase. It can actually rebuild the telomere length. It can add back base pairs that were missing and lengthen telomeres. So it's a very important, special, and protective enzyme. It also dampens down on oxidative stress in the cell. So it's kind of a stress-responsive enzyme. We've done studies in the lab where we look at the levels of telomerase in our immune cells we stress people out and find that, wow, that enzyme is very stress sensitive. It goes way up during acute stress. That's an example of why acute stress is not bad for us. We're actually stimulating amazing defenses in the cell during the acute stress response. And that actually can be a good thing as long as it's not like repeated too much over time. So the, the more threat people felt, and the more cortisol, the more their telomerase went up. It's very sensitive to our stress state.
0: Mm. So that leads to a key discovery that you made in your work about you know the outliers. Why do some, because you saw some of your parents that were chronically stressed, but they were really battling and others that weren't. And that goes to the perception. Can you talk more about that and what that means and how does that translate into our lives? What do we need to do with this concept of stress?
1: Stress perception is really important to understand, and I'm glad you asked, and I would love to hear your input on this, too. We measure it with you know, questions like, <clears throat> over the past month, how overwhelmed have you felt? How much have you felt you couldn't cope? So it really gets at this feeling of emotional stress that our body tends to respond to. It is not necessarily... you know, completely related to our physical stress response, but it is certainly shaping all aspects of our life, our relationships, our sleep, and probably our baseline set points, like where our nervous system lies. Meaning if we're feeling high perceived stress all the time, we're probably in a sympathetic state in terms of our nervous system, not really relaxing, even when nothing is happening. And that's something incredibly important that We want to notice about ourselves is what is our baseline? Even when we're not dealing with stress, are we carrying it in our body? That's something that I point to in the stress prescription as a a sad state of affairs where most of us spend most of the time in this, uh, I call yellow mind state, where we're not dealing with acute stress, but we're still holding on to stress in our mind and our body. So perceived stress is predictive of all sorts of negative health outcomes because it tends to be chronic. So it, pre- it predicts, for example, greater infections from colds and shorter telomeres with a small but reliable effect over studies. And it comes down to, are you not, do you have a lot of stressors in your lives, but do you feel like you can't cope with them? That's the important piece of perceived stress. And a lot of that is perception, right? It's it's just our, our primitive stress response, being overreactive and overprotective, keeping us on vigilance mode and saying, you know, just don't relax, be vigilant. There's threat out there. So we kind of get into this stress habit, state of mind, and we can absolutely reduce our feelings of stress. There's no question. So many of our interventions within days can reduce feelings of stress and even exercises like breathing can reduce those perceptions of stress To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: I love how, in both your books, The Telomere Effect and in the Stress Prescription, your most recent one, you do talk about this fact that it's really okay to have acute stress because it's normal. We can't get away from that. But it's the chronic stress and and how we shift from acute into chronic. And please correct me if I'm saying it wrong, but as we shift from chronic to acute to chronic stress, that's when we sort of tip the the scales and things start working against us, and that we can influence. So before we dive into the ways, the seven ways that we can actually influence that in your latest book, if you could just explain in a little bit more depth. And we're not trying to scare people, but I really want to show people the embodiment of the mind and the impact on the cell, and just how it affects. You know, the, you've done work with mitochondria, you've done work with you know the, the power, the battery of the cell. You've done so much work with telomeres and telomerase. You've done so much work with the immune system. And for people just to understand, like you mentioned, people get colds and that kind of thing. And just to set up this your answer even more and relating back to the previous question, I kind of will throw this as a question. In one of our most recent studies, in our control group, they didn't get the the mind management techniques. They just got all the evaluations that the others were doing. So the control group, at every level, they Telomere length, immune system, inflammation—all the everything went in exactly the kind of direction that we anticipated. But those with the severe, like for example, one situation we had was it was one of the one of the subjects in the control group, experimental group, sorry, who got the mind management was pretty much suicidal when they came into the study and extreme years of depression. And it was un, unreal how their biological and chronological chronological age were like almost thirty years out. And so, in other words, they were sitting with As you know, and for those that are listening and haven't heard me explain this before, but basically 30 years out means that they were sitting at around 30, but their body was like a sickly 65-year-old in that region. And within nine weeks of pure mind management, we saw a significant change in the telomeres that the chronological and biological age matched. It's almost like, it sounds radical to say, but it was almost, at least I couldn't believe it myself, that they almost gained 30 years of biological health Mm-hmm. And it was purely through my, There was no drugs involved. There was. We didn't look at medications. We didn't look at drugs. We just looked at mind management. And the question I have for you is: we we had a we had a small. It was a, it was a pilot. We're repeating now with large numbers, and we've done a lot of different studies with very large numbers. But what I saw was so radical, and I, and I wanted to bring that example up is because I looked at all of your research and your studies, and you've written extensively, and you have extensive publications. And it looks like this is very possible because initially the telomere research it didn't seem to years, but they spoke about five years for any kind of changes to be identified. But here we saw significant changes, not just correlations. We saw significant changes in as short as nine weeks, and that was fascinating. And a lot of the comments in the qualitative analyses were around, "Hey, I looked at depression and anxiety differently. I saw them as informational. I saw them as..." Grief, yeah. gr- grieving for lost years of trauma and abuse, whatever. So what you were saying, and I come right, use that to just lay the foundation for you have done extensive research looking at this concept of how how we can shift. In, acute stress is, is normal and how we can stop it becoming chronic stress, even in the worst circumstances, like you described with your sister and you've had your own experience and you've done so much work with caregivers. You've spent years looking after people with, with its physical, mental combination of those challenges and so on so can you can you explain a little bit more about the mind brain body connection in terms of these biological changes immune system changes etc what happens when we shift from unmanaged when we shift into unmanaged chronic stress states and then we can talk about solutions so we don't leave people hanging
1: (laughs) that sounds great i'm so excited to to learn more about your study it sounds remarkable and we Don't have enough studies, particularly clinical trials, to show that we can change the system. We have hundreds and hundreds of population based studies showing the correlations that we wouldn't be surprised by with depression, stress, and lifestyle being associated with shorter telomeres. But we still need to understand the extent to which the system is malleable. And these small trials so far are often impressive. And we're very careful about how we talk about them. Mm-hmm. So there, I'll give you two examples of studies where we saw telomere lengthening. And I, rather than kind of put a big banner out and say, everyone in the world, we can lengthen our telomeres in short periods because we're so challenged with accurate measurement. I mm-hmm. basically re, you know, reword it as it's all relative when we measure these two groups one group is having less telomere shortening or they're protecting their telomeres more because it's such a big claim to say there's lengthening the the biological reality is yes we can lengthen telomeres we know what telomerase does and we could see telomere lengthening in the blood in very short periods it can be either the telomerase boost in affecting all the cells that are circulating or we could even be releasing fresh new immune cells from our you know stem cell stores we might be getting new hem- hematopoietic cells with long telomeres cuz they're you know a new cell that hasn't been around for a decade and that's good too like either way we yeah, want yeah. a fresh immune system so when we're under chronic stress we are creating a, a stress soup We're creating a chemical mixture in the blood, that means in the cell, that is characterized by high stress signatures, high inflammation, possibly high insulin and high glucose, high levels of free radicals or oxidative stress. And the the cell responds to this. The cell basically says, this is dangerous. It dampens down the, the protective enzyme telomerase. We also know that smoking really dampens telomerase and the telomeres tend to shorten more fast or faster when each time the cell replicates or even the telomere might be damaged without replication from the free radicals so there's all sorts of biological events that can that the cell is vulnerable to when there's a lot of of this high levels of you know stress soup or stress chemicals around the mitochondria are are really right there in the cell being affected by the stress levels as well as the short telomeres. So when telomeres get short, they damage, they send damage signals to the mitochondria, and vice versa. So the, the mitochondria that create a lot of energy are also really important and they're best friends with the telomeres. They're really talking to each other. So we really want to think about both systems and how to help them support each other, not wear down each other. So there's a recent paper that my colleague Zhu Lin and I wrote and she's a molecular biologists. And so she really gets into detail of showing how, what is this telomere, the whole complex with all of these mm-hmm. proteins and how stress gets in there, excessive cortisol and how it can damage the, the, that protective sheltering complex, this kind of protein complex that's covering up our precious, that makes up the telomere and kind of covers up the tips of the chromosomes, these important genes that we want to protect. So so we've mapped out, it's not a black box anymore. We know a bit what's happening inside the cell and how stress gets in there to impact telomeres. If I were a clinician, I would want to measure insulin resistance. I think it's an early sign of mm. chronic stress. And when we look at our healthy moms who are caregivers, they don't have shorter telomeres necessarily. They have higher levels of insulin and glucose mm. when they're fasting. So that goes early. That's a very sensitive stress-responsive system, the insulin sensitivity.
0: That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. One of the things that my favorite things about your research is how you don't look at just one thing. And there's such a tendency in science to be neuro-reductionistic, as we know, or just reductionistic and think, okay, well, that's one cause of this. And then suddenly there's a drug out there on the market. and Now you must have lots of telomerase. And as you talk about in your book, If you have too much telomerase and you have, you can actually get cancer. So, you know, you can, you could, that can disrupt the system too. So it's not about more is better. It's about this natural balance that our mind brain body connection is striving for that we want to activate. And that's why I appreciate the way that you approach it. You don't just talk about one thing, You've the mitochondria, the immune health. And it's, it's, there's such, as you know what I'm saying, Elisa, there's such a tendency to link that even depression to one part of the brain. Meanwhile, the brain does nothing unless you, it's your mind that tells your brain what to do kind of thing. So you, I love that you avoid that in your research and you take such a holistic approach, which is very encouraging, which leads me into, let's start talking about some of the solutions that you have found in your research, because it's, it's extensive. you are talking nearly four decades of work that you've been doing and it's, it's, it's extensive. Three decades, three decades, three decades. Yes, three decades. Three mm-hmm. decades. I added on a couple of decades there for Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> she was, I, that's impressive. Even 10 is impressive. So you've been in this field long enough to know what works. And your latest book, and this latest book, you have seven areas where you distill your research into. And, I, and, and I'm just going to read those out. Expecting the unexpected and learn to be flexible. I, honestly, when I read, you sent me the PDF over December. And, I, and when I was reading through it, I, and I read through it again in preparation for this interview, And I thought, you know, this is amazing. The book that I wrote in May that was released in May last year, I think it was, one of the sections I spoke about was The Unexpected. And I speak to people a lot about that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing. And it's so true because we, we want to have control. We don't want to have the unexpected. But that is just the reality. And who is really telling people how to do? We talk about, I think what I'm trying to say is we're very good in this world about Looking at single things in this reductionistic way, we're very good at looking at a single solution. Drink the green juice, take this tablet, do this one thing, just do the breathing. It's so much more holistic than that. Um, the whole bio- biology, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that you've now taken your solutions to the level of mind allows for this very holistic response in the body to take place. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay, yes, so- absolutely. So the seven areas, I'm going to read them out then I'm going to let you take away and go as deep as you want with each of them in the time we have left. So expect the unexpected and learn to be flexible is one of the solutions that Dr. Apple offers. And in her book, she gives you an incredible explanation, simple, uh, to the point, as well as what you can do. The next one is control what you can put down, uh, sorry, control what you can and put down the rest. Third thing, meet challenges with excitement. Fantastic. Fourth thing, harness your stress response for resilience, better health and longevity. So everyone's saying get rid of your stress. Thank you for saying what I've been mm. trying to say for years, which is actually harness the stress response. Love it. Gain perspective and let natural and let natural shrink let nature shrink stress. Find deep rest and regenerative energy. Discover and capture what brings you joy. Beautiful. Elisa, can you take those away because they and explain them in, as I said, as much depth as you feel our audience can handle Thank in the so next. Much. You got 15 minutes to just talk and I'll keep quiet.
1: (laughs) So, I basically have two principles that run the program. Okay, forget. So, there are three different ways to reduce stress or bins that we can sort things into. And one is changing the mind to change the body, to dampen the stress response. And there's there are the strategies that are about harnessing stress. We're never going to get rid of stress and nor would we want to. It's the it's exactly. the spice of life. It's how we grow. It's how we engage. And so how can we go into stressful situations with this positive mindset so that we're having more of a positive stress response? There are ways that we can use the mind, of course, to release and let go of stress, particularly uncontrollable stress. The second category or bin is using the body to change the mind. And that includes both using the physical stress response to burn up and metabolize all the stress in our body. So like if you wake up on a particular morning feeling really anxious and jittery, one of the best things you can do, you can sit there and meditate and breathe if you're trained in that, that might work well. But for many of us, burning it up with push ups or brisk walk or a bike ride or Peloton, Those are incredibly potent, short-term ways. You could do it in five minutes, 10 minutes. Those will basically use the energy you've already mobilized for stress and create a positive body stress response that you then recover from. And it's the recovery when we do these short blips of physical activity that is so magical, that's really stress-reducing, that we relax and recover and repair when we're After we've had an experience of acute stress, the the ways of letting go and relaxing, having deep rest and deep relaxation are equally important. And then the last way is change up the scene, change our environment. It's so important to get out of urban environments, stimulating environments and into nature or into environments that we feel calming, that we feel are supportive, that includes supportive people and supportive visual sensory information, beautiful scenes, aromatherapy, anything that stimulates the senses is more potent than we think. We actually are super responsive in all of our sensory gates to safety cues. Now, I'm just so curious about the type of inter- your brain training intervention, if it uses the any of these three, three strategies, does it allow people to have deep states of rest Or does it focus on releasing the stress, stressful thoughts and stress in their mind?
0: Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. According to the EPA, indoor air could be 2 to 5 times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, it could be 100 times more polluted. We take about 20,000 breaths per day, and that's almost 3,000 gallons of possibly polluted air that we're breathing in. So what's the solution? My go-to is the air purifier, Air Doctor. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens so that your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor uses an ultra-HEPA filter that's been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested bacteria and viruses. Air Doctor comes with no questions asked, 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So, head off to airdoctor.com Pro.com and use the promo code Dr. Leaf. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 40% off. You are saving up to 40% off. Lock the special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. Pretty much all of the above. So, what I looked at was the system of what I wanted to understand was how. Do we take life's experiences and build that into the brain and the body, the mind, brain and body, because it's also built into the mind. And then once we know that, how can we harness that for almost like insurance policy, so to grow health? And then also, how can we use that concept to identify the traumas or the toxic habits or whatever, and deconstruct and reconstruct? So it's, it's it's a system for, I looked at that sort of neuropsychology and the neuroscience behind that, and then built in that is a system. And then into that, you prepare your brain. So there's the meditation, the get back. And also everything you've mentioned fits in these five basic steps with the brain preparation. And they are systems within, they like a vehicle, with, which mm-hmm. is pushing, uh, using your mind-directed neuroplasticity, into which you're going to put all those elements. And that's why I just, all this philosophy, everything you say is just, I mean, it's just incredible because it's really, filled. it's we lining on the same things. I just put them into this sort of, so all of those are so vital. They, they're things yeah. that I recommend as it's, well.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a beautiful program. I think there's never just one strategy or one tip. No, never. you going to do it, right? and so it's I think the, if anyone claims
0: range. that, it's a problem. <laughs> there's never one. It's, it's it's find the system and then use whatever strategies are going to bring those principles to play. Sorry, right. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
1: No, exactly. And I think, I don't know, it's hard on the virtual screen, but if you can see the, the part of the idea, the principle here is like, Yes, we're going to have these acute stress states, use them for good, harness the stress response into a positive response and recover fast. Then we don't want to spend too much time lingering in the residual stress response. We might not even notice this, but we spend a lot of time in our, let's say, baseline state. Maybe we think it's rest and relaxation, but we're we're really carrying unconscious stress in the body. So that's where a lot of these important resilience techniques, both, both lifestyle as well as Mindfulness catching, catching embodied stress and releasing it can really help, as well as the body hormetic strategies: hot exposure, cold exposure, mm-hmm. extreme breathing. And then, there, then we get to true relaxation, green states, and I think that's and blue states, deep relaxation. I think that's what's happening in your intervention. In order to see telomere lengthening, you're not just interrupting the stress response, but you're creating the restorative biology that's allowing the the repair and the renewal in the cell.
0: Def- definitely. Because uh, we also saw like things like the the homocysteine levels changing. I mean, because we looked at a whole matrix and all the uh, validations of the psychology, we did psychological skills, but we also looked at the qualitative, you know, how they're perceiving their life. Because I think at the end of the day, so much research has taken measurements, but what is the, what's the person's perception of their life now? Can they actually fit back into, are they learning to realize that except the unex- unexpected and, you know, make the challenges work for you, and recognize it's okay to be depressed and it's okay to be a mess. This is called cleaning up a mental messes podcast. That concept, I which I it. think you embody so much in your research, I love. In your book, just very quickly, because I know we're running out of time, and I don't want to keep you. I, first of all, I have to say I have to have you back again because we've only touched Absolutely, the surface. We darling, definitely yeah. have to continue this re- this discussion. So don't worry, we'll get we will definitely be getting Dr. Eppel back. All my listeners. Second thing is you do you mind you, you introduce the little I don't have your book here. Um only of the PDF, but your cover where you show the little bubbles. You in your book in the in the I think it's the first chapter, you actually have the four states of mind. And then you've got all the extra bubbles that you've got in the front of with the little circles on the front of your page. Can you give a very brief summary of the four states of Absolutely. mind that thank you.
1: <clears throat> I'm I think I'm obsessed lately with this idea of The mind states that we have, and if we recognize them, that's so much power to control. And the deep rest states are so rare. I don't get enough of them. I love them. They're transformative. Just doing, you know, short breathing exercises every day is the fastest, quickest way there. And of course, retreats, if one is so lucky to be surrounded by nature and safety cues and to create those deeper restorative states, those are kind of game changers for our health. And we've studied retreats and we find a telomerase boost in some studies, as well as just the dramatic changes in both emotional well-being and gene expression toward health, toward higher Mm -hmm. mitochondria, toward less immune building, or sorry, fighting of the immune system. So Okay. So- the, let's talk about the four states just to be more simple. And of course, there's more gradations than just four. So we have red mind, which is the active acute stress response. And boy, do we need that! None of us would be here if we didn't have that for our survival. And it's a—I mean, it's just amazing how quickly we can turn on this huge stress response. It affects every cell in our body, every hormone. Of course, our autonomic, our cardiovascular system—the heart rate's going up, and the nervous systems changing tone toward more sympathetic that happens within seconds and that is not harmful we're built for that but the harmful part is just when we don't allow ourselves to turn that off because of rumination or because we can't exit a situation and and so we want to just welcome that stress response when it happens and remind ourselves that this is our body helping us that our body's doing what it should that we're energizing ourselves, that we're oxygenating our brain and all of those positive views about the positive, about the acute stress response help shape it to be more of this positive challenge response. So that's the magic of beliefs that we actually can tilt our stress response away from that, that threat response where we can't even think toward this more energizing challenge motivated response. Then there's the yellow state where, you know, right now people listening you're probably not dealing with some acute stressor. You might be having thoughts of it. And so a question is just asking yourself what level of tension you're holding in your body right now. And can you release some of that? So doing the slow breathing, particularly slow exhalations, is probably the fastest, most direct way to release embodied stress. But there are, are a lot of different ways that we can get at our tonic or our kind of chronic level of holding tension. It can take mind and body and, and nature. There's so many different ways, but we need to pay attention to getting out of yellow mind and into true green mind. That is true relaxation. When we're not working on something mentally, we're actually engaged. Our attention is focused either outward or inward on our body. So a body scan, for example, can immediately focus us away from like the amygdala activity and toward more of the experiencing body, the somatosensory cortex, the ability to, it helps us even reduce cravings in one study. I love that because I also study stress eating and I think cravings are such a hard one to deal with, For sure. which just mm-hmm. knowing that, focusing on breathing, focusing on releasing tension in our body, those, can, those are kind of antidotes to that acute stress response and to yellow mind states. And green and blue mind states are beautiful. When we're in them, we can feel love. We can feel our true essence so much more easily. And we can see what's around us with, you know, different mindset, different visions, so that we can see all the positives and the joy and feel more gratitude. So just shifting us when the last chapter on joy really just shifts us right there to focus, go from thinking about what's wrong, what we wish could change to thinking about what's right, what we can feel grateful for. And there are short exercises that increase positive affect within minutes. We think those are golden. We think that, of course, managing depression and stress is important, but focusing on the beauty, the awe, the feelings of why you, well, life satisfaction, what is right, what you can appreciate, but also, What you can do to make someone else smile or to bring them ease or comfort, that is both kind of ancient wisdom, but as well as modern science have shown that right there, that's incredibly potent for our reward system, for our positive mood. Now, one of the apps I'll mention, it's not an app, it's a big study we launched called the Big Joy Project. It's a big citizen science project where we hope people log in and try some of these positive emotion Practices and it's seven days, and then of course you provide data. What worked best for you? How did you feel afterward? And we're learning a lot. We have it in almost two hundred countries now. And we hope Fantastic. to get hundreds of thousands of people. So it's called. If you just type in the Big Joy Project, anyone could find it and sign up.
0: We'll put that link in the in the notes. That's amazing. I get excited when I hear those when I read those four states in the, the mind states because I talk about mind all the time, and it was just we've been doing work with. We use QEG because it looks at the energy response in real time and it's millions of responses in a second. And what we saw, we actually called it the blue brain versus the red brain versus the green and yellow brain. I, thought, I couldn't believe it when I saw those, because literally oh. when someone's in chronic states of stress, you see this, you see every, every wave frequency is not doing what it should, but if you're in that for a short period, it's okay. And, and then as long as you don't stay in that, you know, so we saw, it was just so interesting to see the neurophysiological response correspond with the, bio, with the biological and, Tell them all all the different responses. But we also saw an interesting thing, Elisa, when people went into when we didn't even expect it that when people had their eyes open and they were resting, we they went into that deep breath state, which after mind management, not the control group, once they knew how they were empowered and knew how to deal with those things, they were going into a deep breath state. And we could pick that up with the gamma and the changes in delta and that. It was fascinating. And then, because you expect that in eyes closed. And when they just, you know, not just, distra- but in both states with eyes open and closed, we were getting into that deep state. So, I mean, it's a pilot. We're repeating it, obviously. But I'm just confirming, yeah, what you basically have been finding for years is we see that response in the brain and qualitatively and everything. So it's just, I'm so excited. I, there's so, so much.
1: <laughs> so thank the you for your,
0: that, yeah. go, go ahead. That you
1: can change baseline state has got to get out there more because I think people, we know personality is, strong we know early trauma is strong but we can work with all of that and we exactly. can exactly get towards positive states and so these brain waves that you're talking about i mean i am so excited that's one of the most direct ways to see if we're changing resting state and exactly eyes open oh my goodness that's yeah <laughs> eyes open
0: to even get into that state Yeah. So that was probably our when we saw that in the analysis we were like we could not contain ourselves. Okay, this now has to go further and do more research. So, Elisa, I can't wait to have you back again. And I want to just end with a quote that you actually have on your website. You actually have two. You you talk about the Dalai Lama saying, if it's fixable, there's no need to worry. And if it's not fixable, there's no help in worrying. I thought that was great. And then...
1: And we still will worry, right? I mean, it's just it's just to help us be humorous about how we're Absolutely.
0: Remote. So you said, <laughs> where, what is, where is the, I'm trying to find the other one now. Oh, the
1: other one is obstacles oh, yeah. don't,
0: Yes. Do you want to say it? Do you want to, do I sure. it obstacles
1: do not block the path. They are the path. I think about that. I think, you know, it's so easy to feel my life would be better if X, you know, happened or this didn't happen. And it's just so helpful to remember this is this truly is what life is. It truly Lighten is. A, yeah,
0: yeah it <laughs> truly is that because we also saw in people, one of the scales that are developed was looking at obstacles, how people shift when people start seeing an obstacle in this way. That's why I love that quote so much that they don't block the path, they are the path. These are change in the neurophysiology. These are change in the biology and all that feeds back into the mind, but it's mind driven. You know, your work just is outstanding in how you highlight that. And thank you for your incredible work. Thank you for part one. And there's going to be lots more parts. Thank you for your valuable, wise input. And please keep doing what you're doing and please come back.
1: Thank you so much. I I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for your wonderful work. Can't wait to learn more.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself